Welcome back to Reading Pages. My name is Paige, your host for this podcast where I talk all about the books I've read. If you would like to read along with me, I post which book I'm reading prior to the release of the episode on the Instagram at Reading Pages Podcast. So be sure to grab your favorite drink and your book and let's get into it. Hey guys, how's everyone doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really, really excited to be recording today because this book that we're talking about called The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer is just, there is so much stuff to talk about in this book that I just cannot wait to get into it for real. Um, To summarize it in like the shortest way, it's pretty much a self-help transformation spirituality book it's it's fairly well known i would say it says on the cover it's a number one new york times bestseller but low-key i feel like i have a conspiracy theory that every single book has that (laughs) i swear every single book is a new york times bestseller i don't know or has some type of award of some sort um but this is this is a must read i would say i know i kind of say that about every book (laughs) because I do love every book but um this one is cute and it, it has like a little horse on it and it's this pretty um periwinkle not periwinkle like seafoam green blue color on it it's just cute so I'm gonna read the back of it just to give you guys a little summary as well before we hop into it because I cannot summarize things on my own they just say it so much better on the back of the book so here we go Who are you really? What would it be like to be free from limitations and soar beyond your boundaries? What can you do each day to find this kind of inner peace and freedom? The Untethered Soul offers a simple, profoundly intuitive answer to these questions. Whether this is your first exploration of inner space or you've devoted your life to the inward journey, this book will transform your relationship with yourself and the world around you. The Untethered Soul begins by walking you through your relationship with your thoughts and emotions, helping you uncover the source and fluctuations of your inner energy. It then delves into what you can do to free yourself from the habitual thoughts, emotions, and energy patterns that limit your consciousness. Finally, with perfect clarity, this book opens the door to a life lived in the freedom of your innermost being. Oh, how amazing does that sound? And I think this book kind of holds a special place in my heart because it was the first ever book that I read in the spirituality genre, if you know what I mean. And the first chapter, my jaw dropped, guys. I couldn't believe what I was reading. And it's called The Voice Inside Your Head. This is a good quote to summarize what I'm saying. You are not your thoughts. You are aware of your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You feel your emotions. You are not your body. You look in the mirror and experience this world through its eyes and ears. You are the conscious being who is aware that you are aware of all these inner and outer things. Damn. And I had never read something where someone kind of spelled out what what it was that I was thinking all the time. Because... You know how we always have this this inner dialogue going in our brain? Like, I, I'm always hearing voices inside my head. Like in the movies when they show, like, an angel and devil on 
um, people's shoulders, kind of like that, just the constant chatter in my brain. And I kind of thought I was like going crazy a little bit. I mean, like I never had a conversation with anyone up until the point where I read that book where I like the voice inside my head had been acknowledged. So technically, I didn't even know if other people were experiencing this. But now I know that <laughs> that pretty much every single person on the planet has this this inner dialogue with themselves. And just that in and of itself, I was like, wow, I'm not I'm not going crazy here. <laughs> this is real. And um, this idea that we are not our thoughts, that had never been introduced to me before because I just associated everything that I thought as being me, but this book really talks about how you are not your thoughts at all. You are just the observer of your thoughts, which is the mind-blowingest thing (laughs) I had ever heard. And it's just so insane to realize that. Like, once you genuinely realize that, it's so crazy. (laughs) Like, you can observe and listen to all the random stuff that you're that goes on in your head and that your brain just says to you and you can just observe it and not identify with it and not be so attached to it and just like almost laugh at it and just recognize that it's there and that's simply it you know don't judge it or try and push it away or act on it because you know once you sort of go with it you spiral down this whole rabbit hole and you you encourage the behavior of this obsession with thinking because I'm definitely I'm I'm I know I'm saying all this but like I'm bad at it (laughs) I will be the first to admit that I feel like I my whole life I've become obsessed with thinking I know that probably sounds weird like I don't know if you guys are understanding what I'm saying but just always having my mind going going and racing and judging things and trying to interpret the world around me and just narrating everything that happens in my life and I that's not necessarily the best way I think you should live or I should live you know what I mean I want to be peaceful and just be able to look at the world and see it for what it is and accept it fully and not necessarily you know judge it or try and figure everything out you know what I mean just like try and find peace and happiness with what's going on and not have the distraction of my mind going crazy doing cartwheels and stuff all the time and going off of this another book I would recommend reading is The Power of Now that's that's a really good book by Eckhart Tolle that kind of goes into the obsessive thinking and all that type of stuff too just as another recommendation and all the other books that I've read so far are are pretty much good for that except for maybe Big Magic but um Yes, with that being said, let's just dive right into some certain quotes, just different things, and we'll go off on our tangents like we normally do. 
Okay, so starting off with a really simple sort of short quote that kind of summarizes it a little bit in, in a way what I just talked about. And it says in the first chapter on page 10, Billions of things are going on in the world. You can think about it all you want, but life is still going to keep on happening. And that's just a super simple quote, I felt like. But yet it's so impactful because I think sometimes we as humans, especially me, I mean, when I say we, I kind of mean just myself because I'm not really speaking for the whole human population, but hoping you guys can relate a little bit. Um, but sometimes I, I confuse thinking about something as being productive. You know what I mean? Like trying to make sense of something and figure something out. I assume that I'm helping, but essentially you know thinking is not helping at all I mean it is like you have to think in order to come to conclusions and everything and then you can make certain actions but thinking is oftentimes a little bit of a waste of time if you know what I mean and it wastes energy like that voice that talks inside your head it's just trying to make you feel okay and it's just taking up energy you know the narration that you you narrate your life through and in, inside your head it just is trying to make you feel more comfortable with with the world around you and later down the page it says eventually you will see that the real cause of problem is not life itself it's the commotion the mind makes about life that really causes problems and this could not be truer I don't know if that was the right way to say that, but oh my gosh, S essentially every single struggle that we have is just like how we react to things. If you think about it, like the most worst, terriblest, like the uh, something so, 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 so bad could happen to us, but the only thing that actually truly causes pain is like how we react to it you know what I mean don't want and I don't want to be annoying like you know choose happiness all the time obviously that's not real and and I definitely think you should feel and accept all the emotions and roller coasters that happen in your life but just knowing that you are essentially kind of creating it for yourself in a way I think kind of gives me a little bit of a peace of mind you know sometimes when I'm super sad or mad or whatever like feeling a negative emotion I kind of I always know slightly in the back of my head even if it's not in the forefront of my mind but I just know an inkling that Paige, this is kind of, you're doing this to yourself a little bit. And that is the truth. Like, you kind of are doing it for yourself. And that, I mean, I don't see that as a negative thing. I see that as like, you know, this is not as big of a deal as you're making it seem. But like, it's it's fine to go with it and go with this emotion right now. But, but just knowing that you kind of create the problems inside your head and what's happening to you 
is like the only bad thing that's happening to you is how you are handling the situation. And to clarify what I mean by like the voice inside your head, for example, they, I'm just going to read what they have here. They say, you will notice, however, that even when you are not particularly bothered by something, it still talks. When you're walking down the street, it says things like, look at that dog. It's a Labrador. Hey, that's another dog in that car. He looks a lot like my first dog, Shadow. Whoa, there's an old Oldsmobile. It's got Alaska plates. You don't see many of those down here. It's actually narrating the world for you. But why do you need this? You already see what's happening outside. So how does it help to repeat it in yourself through that mental voice? You should examine this very closely. With a simple glance, you instantly take in the tremendous detail of whatever you're looking at. If you see a tree, you effortlessly see the branches, the leaves, and the flowering buds. Why then do you have to verbalize what you have already seen? Look at that dogwood. The green leaves are so beautiful against the white flowers. Look how many flowers there are. Wow, it's so full. What you'll see if you study this carefully is that the narration makes you feel more comfortable with the world around you. Like backseat driving, it makes you feel as though things are more in your control. You actually feel like you have some relationship with them. A tree is no longer just a tree in the world that has nothing to do with you. It is a tree that you saw, judged, and labeled. By verbalizing it mentally, you brought that initial direct experience of the world into the realm of your thoughts. There, it becomes integrated with your own thoughts, such as those making up your value system and historical experiences. So, all these thoughts intermix and actually influence your experience of the world around you. What you end up experiencing is really a personal presentation of the world according to you, rather than the stark, unfiltered experience of what is really out there. I thought that was just like... It's so interesting. It all kind of comes back to this idea of like perception and how everything that we look at, we look at through our past experiences. You know what I mean? That's how it's so crazy how everyone can have all these different opinions and different reactions to the same information. That's just something that really, really, really baffles my mind. Even the fact that like, reading that book you know reading those words of them talking about this thing we're like doing it while we're reading (laughs) like everyone's reading this book differently because of what they've experienced and how they've kind of narrated their life and the voice inside their head that's talking while they're reading the book you know what I mean it's all so crazy and like you're doing it right now like listening to me right now talking you have thoughts in your head and you're like judging what I'm saying and trying to you know get your opinion on it subconsciously which is just a a crazy thing and I think you just got to start with like awareness and just knowing that knowing that all that is going on I think is you know the first step so I just wanted to share that idea and moving on So talking about chapter five called Infinite Energy, I thought this one was a really cool, interesting chapter. Um, I'm just going to read a little excerpt. He says, for example, if you concentrate on a thought and another thought, 
interferes, you will have to assert an opposing force to fight the interfering thought. That requires energy and it can wear you out. Likewise, if you have a thought you're trying to hold on to in your mind, but it keeps drifting off, you will willfully concentrate to bring it back. When you do this, you're actually sending more energy to the thought in order to hold it in a given place. You also serve energy to deal with your emotions. If you have an emotion you don't like and it's interfering with what you're doing, you just push it aside. You do this almost instinctively so that the unwanted emotion doesn't come up and disturb you. Every one of these acts is an expenditure an expenditure of energy, creating thoughts, holding on to thoughts, recalling thoughts, generating emotions, controlling emotions, and disciplining powerful inner drives all require a tremendous expenditure of energy. So where does all this energy come from? Why is the energy there sometimes and at other times you feel completely drained? Have you, have you ever noticed that when you are mentally and emotionally drained, food doesn't help that much? Conversely, if you look at the times in your life where you were in love or excited and inspired by something, you were so filled with energy that you don't even want to eat. This energy we are discussing does not come from the calories your body burns from food. There is a source of energy you can draw upon from inside. It is distinct from the outer energy source. Ah! Isn't that crazy? Like, I, I know exactly what type of energy they're talking about. So they say, what you'll see is if you watch carefully is that you have a phenomenal amount of energy inside you. It doesn't come from food and it doesn't come from sleep. This energy is always available to you. At any moment, you can draw upon it. It just wells up and fills you from inside. When you're filled with this energy, you feel like you can take on the world. When it is flowing strongly, you can actually feel it coursing through your waves. It gushes up spontaneously from deep inside and restores, replenishes, and recharges you. The only reason you don't feel this energy all the time is because you block it. Dun dun dun. You block it by closing your heart, by closing your mind, and by pulling yourself into a restrictive space inside. This closes you off from all the energy. When you close your heart or close your mind, you hide in the darkness within you. There is no light. There is no energy. There is nothing flowing. The energy is still there, but it can't get in. This is what it means to be blocked. That is why you have no energy when you're depressed. There are centers within that channel your energy flow. When you close them, there is no energy. When you open them, there is. Although various energy centers exist within you, the one you intuitively know the most about opening and closing is your heart. So when I read this, like my question is, why am I blocked so much? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I... I know, I definitely know what it's like to have that abundance of energy. There are moments where I just feel so passionate about something. It's normally for me like through a creative outlet, like whether I'm painting, drawing, making a video, you know what I mean? Doing something creative, that's really when I find my like, my zone, my flow. And yeah, I mean, I find I kind of find comfort in knowing that it's just like inside of me you know what I mean because sometimes I get bogged up in I don't know if it's me just making excuses inside my head but thinking that I need to like eat healthy or get a certain amount of sleep or you know just do all the certain steps that are considered healthy for a human to do like I need to do all of them and I need to have this perfect morning routine and this perfect wellness routine all that stuff in order to be 
like the best version of myself and create the best stuff you know what I mean when in actuality like that stuff is good don't get me wrong like of course that stuff should be a priority and self-care is amazing and just you need to take care of yourself bottom line but I think that if you truly truly love something and you're just like have that spark of energy like nothing that you've done to like prepare for that moment or or any sort of you know like whether you drink enough water before your basketball okay I keep on talking about basketball if you don't know I play basketball duh but um I'm gonna use this example again right so say you're in a basketball game and you didn't eat a healthy lunch before your basketball game or whatever say you had like a hamburger and fries right before your basketball game (laughs) don't recommend doing that but that is like that's setting you up for not having a good game you know what I mean and sometimes in my head I'm like oh shoot I I messed myself up like this game is not gonna be good you know what I mean but I have to realize that like there is this energy that can overpower anything you know what I mean and oftentimes when I'm like in that game my I can go into that mode you know what I mean and nothing nothing else matters except for that game like I can't make excuses while I'm playing that game like oh I I didn't get enough sleep that's why I'm doing bad you know what I mean (laughs) like am I making sense it's you just find this energy this energy just comes out of you because you're in the heat of the moment and everything's going on and like you're immersed in the game that you're playing if that makes any sense whatsoever but that's kind of what I thought about when they said that there's this energy inside of you like they give an example if you if you get like broken up with and suddenly you can't even walk to the bathroom to brush your teeth you know what I mean you can't clean your room like there's no energy inside of you (laughs) and it has nothing to do with like how much food you eat or stuff like that that are conventionally known to give you energy so yeah okay going back to like what's blocking your energy because I feel like I I do feel blocked quite a bit you know what I mean so it says like when you close your heart center energy can't flow in and where energy can flow in there's darkness and depending upon how closed you are you either feel tremendous disturbance or overwhelming lethargy lethargicness lethargy i've never heard that word before um often people fluctuate between these two states like say you're really bummed out because you think something happened that was bad but then you hear news that it didn't actually happen it was a lie And then suddenly you have so much energy and so much joy for life (laughs) and you just get up and start dancing. You know what I mean? That definitely happens to me and it's weird and it's nice to read a book that like explains how I'm feeling. Um, So you should know about this energy 
because it's yours and it's your birthright and it's unlimited. You can call upon it anytime you want. It has nothing to do with age. (laughs) Some 81-year-old has the same energy and enthusiasm of a child. Wow, okay, that's a good point to make. Like, you know, it's so, so good to see, like, old people be really happy and excited and energetic. Just makes me smile, you know? Um, They can work long hours for seven days a week. It's just energy. Energy doesn't get old, it doesn't get tired, and it doesn't need food. What it needs is openness and receptivity. And receptivity. This energy is equally available to everybody. The sun does not shine differently on different people. If you're good, it shines on you. If you did something bad, it shines on you. It's the same with the inner energy. The only difference is that with inner energy, you have the ability to close up inside and block it. When you close, the energy stops flowing. When you open, all the energy rushes up inside you. True spiritual teachings are about this energy and how to open it up. Bam! That does, that does really summarize all these spiritual books that I'm reading. True spirituality teachings are about this energy and how to open it up. It's all, like, all this comes down to the idea of just being able to freaking sit on a rock outside and have the best freaking time of your life just like being alive you know what i mean that's what it all comes down to i mean at least for me i feel like that's what i want to achieve just being able to do nothing and just be so happy and content with everything you know um they do give this example that was alarmingly close to how I feel and it was like I felt like this example was literally written for me um okay so this is all about how to stay open and not closed don't close your heart so they say there's a very simple method for staying open you stay open by never closing it's really that simple okay thank you for that um all you have to do is decide whether you're willing to stay open or whether you think it's worth closing. Why do they put it so... I mean, that kind of felt a little condescending. Like, yeah, true, but it's hard, you know? You can actually train yourself to forget how to close. Closing is a habit, and just like any other habit, it can be broken. So I guess I have a habit of closing. For example, you could be the type of person who has an underlying fear of people and tends to close when you first meet them. <laughs> Ah, wait, that's me. If you don't know me, I am extremely, extremely awkward and shy and, like, hate meeting people for the first time. Like, I mean, I don't hate meeting people. I definitely, I don't know. I like people, but just, like, I am so shy when I first meet people because I feel like they're judging me and they don't like me. I don't know. It is a weird situation for me, but once I get to know people, then it's a fun time but it's really hard for me to like have small talk okay whatever we're getting off topic but you could actually be in the habit of experiencing an uptight closing sensation whenever somebody walks up to you wow they just described me um you can train yourself to do the opposite you can train yourself to open every time you see a person oh my god that's terrifying um it's just a question of whether you want to close or whether you want to open it's ultimately under your control oh okay the problem is we don't exercise that control 
under normal circumstances, our state of openness is left to psychological factors. Basically, we are programmed to open or close based upon our past experiences. Impressions from the past are still inside of us, and they get stimulated by different events. If they were negative impressions, we tend to close. If they were positive impressions, we tend to open. Let's say you smell a certain scent that reminds you of what it was like when you were young and somebody was cooking dinner. How you react to the scent depends upon the impressions left by your past experiences. Did you enjoy having dinner with your family? Was the food good? If so, then the smell of the scent warms you and opens you. If it wasn't so much fun eating together or if you had to eat food you didn't like, then you tighten up and close. It really is that sensitive. A smell can make you open or close and so can seeing a car of a certain color or a certain type of shoe a person is wearing. We're all programmed based upon our past impressions such that all kinds of things can cause us to open and close. If you pay attention, you will see it happen regularly, regularly throughout each day. Anytime you start to close, ask yourself whether you really want to cut off the energy flow. Yeah, this is... I do... I feel like part of the reason why I get so tense and awkward when I'm talking to people <laughs> is because I've. Oh, that's always how I've been. Like, every single time I meet someone new there's immediate like anxiety for me <laughs> oh wow i'm really opening up to y'all this is amazing um but yeah because i think i've just gotten in the habit and people know me as that type of person so i feel like i have to stay that way you know what i mean but in actuality i can be whatever type of person i want but I think I have to be the person that I have always been because that's who I am now. And if I start acting differently, people will be like, what the heck? Like if I randomly start being super outgoing, everyone will be like, what the heck is going on, Paige? What is going on? And like that's embarrassing in and of itself. So I I don't know, but I feel like I have to do that. I just have to be randomly outgoing and do it every single time so that that becomes my new personality (laughs) i just have to do it you know it's as simple as that um okay i've been talking about energy for far too long let's move on to a new topic so going off of the idea of getting outside your comfort zone There's this quote that I highlighted, and it's on page 122, and it says, So there are two ways you can live. You can devote your life to staying in your comfort zone, or you can work on your freedom. In other words, you can devote your whole life to the process of making sure everything fits within your limited model, or you can devote your life to freeing yourself from the limits of your model. To understand this better, let's take a trip to the zoo. Imagine that you're having a great time until you see a tiger inside a small cage. This causes you to contemplate what it would be like to live the rest of your life in such tight confinement. The very thought is extremely frightening you, but in truth, the confines of your comfort zone create just such a cage. This inner cage doesn't limit your body, it limits the expanse of your consciousness. Because you are unable to go outside your comfort zone, you are, in essence, locked in confinement. 
when you truly awake spiritually, you realize you are caged. You wake up and realize that you can hardly move in there. You are constantly hitting the limits of your comfort zone. You see that you're afraid to tell people what you really think. You see that you're too too self-conscious to freely express yourself. You see that you have to stay on top of everything in order to be okay. Facts. So why? There's really no reason. You've set these limits on yourself. If you don't stay within them, you get scared, you feel hurt, and you feel threatened. That's your cage. The tiger knows the limits of this cage when he hits the bars. You know the limits of your cage when the psyche starts to resist. It can be a cage created by your fear of discomfort. If you approach your limits, you begin to feel uncomfortable and insecure. Those are the bars of your cage. As long as you stay inside it, you cannot possibly know what is on the other side. The boundaries of this cage are what make your world appear finite and temporal. The infinite and eternal are just outside the limits of your cage. So, bottom line, you need to do things that scare you. And this can mean absolutely anything for example this weekend i'm doing a dry try at orange theory i don't know if you guys know orange theory is like a workout class kind of thing it's rowing running and weightlifting kind of like planks and dumbbells stuff like that and i'm doing a dry try which means that we have to run a 5k I don't even remember the last time I ran a 5k, guys. I'm terrified. And then we have to do something like 300 reps on the floor and then 2,000 meters on the rower. Like, I I don't know if I can do it and I'm absolutely terrified. But I'm doing it <laughs> because why not? Literally, why not? I think we... We really need to just go outside our comfort zone and not be afraid to fail. And if you don't notice, fear comes up in every single book ever. I feel like fear is just such a huge thing. And I think my biggest fear or the biggest thing that holds me back from doing anything is people's opinions of me, (laughs) which sucks it sucks so much like I want to do stuff but I think of other people knowing that I'm doing this stuff and like cringing at me I think that's why I hate TikTok so much or TikTok is not good for my mental health I recently deleted it and by recently I mean yesterday so we'll see how long that lasts last time I deleted it I deleted it for a very long time but TikTok for me It just makes me... Because everyone's making jokes, making fun of everyone, I kind of feel like. So, I just imagine people doing that about me and, like, making fun of me and making jokes about me and, like, talking about me behind my back. And it's like, ah, ah, that just scares the crap out of me. I don't know. But it's really, really annoying that this is on my mind so much. But I have to remember that no one gives a crap about me. So now I'm going to share my favorite, my absolute favorite quote of the entire book. And it's really short. And it says, You will never find yourself in what you have built to define yourself. 
Oh my gosh! You're the one who's doing the building. You may assemble the most amazing collection of thoughts and emotions. You may build a truly beautiful, unbelievable, interesting, and dynamic structure, but obviously it's not you. You are the one who did this. You are the one who was lost, scared, and confused because you focused your awareness away from your awareness of self. <laughs> in this panic, in this lost state, you learned to cling and hold on to the thoughts and emotions that were passing before you. You used them to build a personality, a persona, a self-concept that would allow you to define yourself. Awareness rested itself on the objects it was aware of and called it home. Because you have this model of who you are, it is easiest to know how to act, how to make decisions, and how to relate to the outside world. If you dare to look, you will see that you have to live your entire life based on the model you built around yourself. Oh my god! Guys, I have to read this page and a half. Like, this is too good. Sorry I'm just reading, but I don't even know how to say this any way better than they have said it. Let's get more specific. You try to hold a consistent set of thoughts and concepts in your mind, such as, I am a woman. Yes, even though that is a thought or a concept held in your mind, you are holding on to that. You, who are holding on to that, are neither male nor female. You are the awareness who hears the thought and sees a woman's body in the mirror. But you cling tightly to these concepts. You think, I am a woman, I am of a certain age, and I believe in one philosophy versus another. You literally define yourself based on what you believe. I believe in God, or I don't believe in God. I believe in peace and nonviolence, or I believe in survival of the fittest. I believe in capitalism, or I believe in neo-socialism. You take a set of thoughts in your mind and you hold on to them. You have a highly complex relational structure out of them and then present that package as who you are. But it is not who you are. It is just the thoughts you have pulled around yourself in an attempt to define yourself. You do this because you are lost inside. Oh my gosh. Basically, you attempt to create a sense of stability and steadiness inside. This generates a false but welcome sense of security. You also want the people around you to have done the same thing. You want people to be steady enough so that you can predict their behavior. If they aren't, it disturbs you. This is because you have made your prediction of their behavior part of your inner model. This protective shield of beliefs and concepts regarding the outside world acts as insulation between you and the people you interact with. By having preconceived notions about other people's behavior, you feel safer and more control. Imagine the fear you would feel if you let the entire wall down. Who have you ever allowed directly into your true inner self without the protection of your mental buffer? Nobody, not even yourself. Oh my gosh, that's so fact. People just put fake aids out there. They even admit that one fake aid, fake aid? Is that the right way to pronounce it? I have no idea. Is a little more real than the other. You go to work and get lost in your professional fake aid, but then you say, I'm going back home to be with my family and friends where I, where I can just be myself. So your work fake aid drops into the background and you relax, social fake aid comes forward. But what about you, the one who's holding the fake aid together? Nobody gets near that one. That's just too scary. The one is too far back there to deal with. So in a way, I feel like they kind of described like, we're just playing all these different roles and like acting these different ways in different situations um 
So we're all clinging and then building. Some of us are better at this than others. In most societies, you are well rewarded for how good you are clinging and building. Oh my gosh, facts, bro. If you get that model down absolutely right and behave consistently every time, you have actually created someone. And if the someone you create is what others want and need, you can be very popular and successful. You are that person. It got ingrained in you at a very young age and you have never deviated from it. You can get really good at this game of creating someone. And if the person you created is not receiving the popularity and success you expected, you can adjust your thoughts accordingly. It's not that there is anything wrong with this. Obviously, everybody does it. But who are you that's doing this and why are you doing it? It's important to realize that it's not just up to you that what thoughts you cling to and what person you create. Society has a lot to say about this. There are acceptable and unacceptable social behaviors for almost everything. How to sit, how to walk, how to speak, how to dress, and how to feel about things. How does your society ingrain these mental and emotional structures within us? When you do it well, you are rewarded with hugs and showered with positive accolades. When you don't do it well, you are punished, either physically, mentally, or emotionally. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what was said in The Four Agreements, the book that I talked about last week. Just about the fact that we were born into this society and given all these rules and we didn't even like choose to believe them, but it's it's what we were taught and... And we just absorbed it and accepted it because we didn't know better. But yeah, oh my gosh, can we talk about this? This chapter is called Letting Go of False Solidity. Oh, this whole identity. I feel like I have an identity crisis every couple of days. I'm not even joking. I, I keep on trying to define myself. Like, I'm this, I'm that, I'm... I am the tall person i'm the funny person no i'm the artsy person like what like why it drives me insane i don't know why i do this but like i'm always trying to like be be something someone for what for other people for myself like i have no idea um and i find it so interesting that everyone's kind of trying to fill these different roles and like be different like I don't know the whole it's it's so crazy I don't even know what to say like to be honest this book is it gets really deep and it's a lot like I definitely feel like I have to read this again just like other books like really get into it um it's it's very interesting but i i'm loving the fact that i'm reading more spirituality books and seeing crossovers between them and how the information is is kind of repeating itself which is something that is good and i find comfort in that knowing that like hey this is this information is kind of solidifying um and it's not just all over the place in this unending spiral um they're there are some common themes within all these books so lastly i'm just going to talk about contemplating death (laughs) which is one of the chapters um because i don't think i've talked about death yet on the podcast i talked about impermanence in the first episode and that's kind of similar to death and the fact that we die makes things more valuable you know what i mean so let's get into that Um, 
Chapter 17, Contemplating Death. It is truly a great cosmic paradox that one of the best teachers in all of life turns out to be death. No person or situation could ever teach you as much as death has to teach you. While someone could tell you that you are not your body, death shows you. While somebody could remind you of the insignificance of the things that you cling to, death takes them all away in a second. While people can teach you that men and women of all races are equal and that there's no difference between the rich and the poor, death instantly makes us all the same. (laughs) Oh my gosh, death really is. It's out here teaching us big lessons. (laughs) Um... The question is, are you going to wait until that last moment to let death be your teacher? Shoot. Um, The mere possibility of death has the power to teach us at any moment. A wise person realizes that at any moment they may breathe out and breath may never come back in. It could happen at any time in any place and your last breath is gone. You have to learn from this. A wise being completely and totally embraces the reality that in inevitability and the unpredictability of death gotta live life to the fullest and don't waste it on social media which is what i do a lot and i'm mad that i do this and i pisses me off that i take life for granted so much sometimes it makes me feel kind of guilty that i that i do that but you know it truly is it's just a great reminder to read stuff saying that death is coming and it's not necessarily a bad thing it's nothing to be scared about nothing to be frightened about it's just it's there and you can't be afraid to discuss death like don't get uptight about it instead just like acknowledge it and help it to show you to live every live every moment and that doesn't mean go out and buy yourself a five million dollar meal every night obviously that's not what it means it means to like if you're sitting there look up and look at the trees look at the details really soak in what's going on around you just pretend like you're you have to write a 10,000 page essay on the juice that is sitting in front of you at breakfast you know what I mean? Really just soak it in. That's that's what I think um, when I think about, you know, living a life to its fullest. To just absorb everything. Try your absolute hardest to absorb and learn. Um, here's a quote. You really don't need more time before death. What you need is more depth of experience during the time you're given. That's the way to live each moment of your life. You let it fill you completely. You let it touch you to the depths of your being. There's no moment that can't do that. Oh my gosh. There's no moment that can't do it. You don't need to be on a freaking yacht in Ibiza, Spain. You don't need to be a millionaire or have thousands of friends. You know, you can do it in this the exact moment that you are in right now. And even if something terrible happens, view it as just another experience of life. Death has made you a great promise in which you can find deep peace. The promise is that all things are temporary. They're all just passing through time and space. If you have patience, this too will pass. Going off of talking about impermanence again, it's, it's such a special, unique, crazy thing that 
nothing lasts forever. I was thinking about this um, on the toilet (laughs) the other day. (laughs) The fact that I will never live in this house ever again. (gasps) Isn't that scary? Like my childhood house, I've lived here for 19 years. And starting in September, September of 2021, I will never live in this house ever again. And I feel like my parents will move. I don't know. I don't see them staying in this house. So we shall see what happens moving forward. But isn't that just crazy? I don't know. In a way, I'm super grateful that I was able to have this year off this gap year that I could really just appreciate it um because my this house just holds such a comfort for me it really it just embodies my childhood and it's crazy that I'm kind of like saying goodbye to it in a way (laughs) and I have this last year to contemplate my entire life (laughs) um so yeah I feel like I didn't even touch on one-tenth of this book there's so much stuff in here but I, I know I say that every single time I talk about books because it truly is like you can't just talk about a book for 45 minutes it's not enough time but obviously no one is gonna listen to me for more than 10 minutes so 45 minutes is plenty <laughs> um thank you guys so much for listening I hope you're doing well I mean, I really, I genuinely hope you guys are doing well. Like, I'm not just saying that just to be courteous and whatnot. Like, I really wish the best for you guys. Like, go out, chase your dreams. Don't care what people think. Everyone's learning. No one has their stuff together. We're all just random. Like, we're all just humans. And I find a lot of joy in thinking about that and I know I, I'm so deep thinking I mean okay I was looking up um astrology stuff I don't know why but I was just like curious about it and everything because it's such a trend to be into astrology now I don't know whether I'm kind of the person that like doesn't want to follow trends for some reason I'm annoying like that um but I was looking into it and Scorpios are known to really like deep conversations and I was like oh shoot they know me they know me to a T <laughs> I'm like I believe <laughs> but yeah I hope you guys like deep conversations like this I mean if you listened all all this way then you then you do but <laughs> thank you so much love y'all to the moon and black back follow the Instagram at reading pages podcast and I'll see you next Tuesday I'm trying to upload every Tuesday I don't know if you guys noticed, but love you guys. Bye.